You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, May the 25th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to be taking a look at the book of Proverbs again. We've been going through that, and it's some really interesting items to look at. This will be Proverbs chapter 8, beginning with verse 12. So, here we go. When a child is born into a family, a lot of times the father and the mother give them instruction and direction. As they grow older, then they're able to move to hear God himself in Sunday school, vacation Bible school, worship services, etc. But initially, it's the parents giving the child advice as to how they are to behave. Well, Proverbs is very similar. In the first seven chapters, Solomon is talking to his son and giving him advice as to how God regards proper behavior. Because when God set up the universe in six 24-hour days, there were certain not only scientific laws that can never be broken, like gravity, but there were also ethical laws. So, for example, in a relationship with a woman, there's no law against kissing her prior to marriage. However, there is a law against having a relationship with her, if you know what I mean. It was interesting. I was watching a movie, and this is happening a lot of times, where there's a real problem in the house, and when the police arrive, it's a boyfriend living with his girlfriend. Sometimes they even have children, but they are not married. And then it's not at all surprising the negative consequences that occur in such a relationship. And this one woman was explaining afterwards that she wasn't committing adultery because he wasn't married. And therefore, their relationship was not sinful. But if there is such a relationship in a relationship between a man and a woman prior to marriage, that is sinful. So she looked at the Bible and read her commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, and forgot that also fornication is also a sin. That, that's why we take people through adult instruction, to help explain to them the meanings of the commandments. Now, up to chapter through seven, 
Solomon is talking to his son. But now in chapter 8, especially verses 12 to 21, we have wisdom speaking. This is really important. From verses 12 through 21, it's always in the first person. It's not Solomon talking about God in the third person saying, well, he says this and he says that. All all those are correct. But beginning with verse 12, every verse is in the first person. I'll explain that as I read it. Verse 12, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. So you have to figure out who is wisdom. And throughout the Old Testament and also the New Testament, wisdom is often the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. Yeah, we find that even in many passages in the Old Testament, where, for example, when Moses is on Mount Sinai and the burning bush is occurring, guess who's talking to him? The angel of the Lord, whose name is God. This is the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, prior to his incarnation. So verses 12 to 21, they are an excellent description of what wisdom thinks. In other words, how does God think? Well, he starts off with, I, wisdom, and that is none other than Jesus Christ, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. Now, what does that mean? That means that through Jesus Christ, the believer comes to true knowledge. Remember what Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the word discretion can also be translated as foresight. In in other words, when you are about to do an action through wisdom, you get an acknowledgement as to what the consequences will be. If, for example, you're giving food to the hungry because of your love of Jesus, the consequences are a wonderful blessing. But if you do something to make yourself look good in the eyes of others, even though they may think it's a good work, then your foresight will show you that that is a sinful action. We take a look at Isaiah 11.2 talking about Jesus. And the Spirit of the Lord, that's the Holy Spirit, shall rest upon him. 
the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Now, when did that occur? When did the Holy Spirit rest upon Jesus? Well, it was at the beginning of his ministry when he was baptized by John the Baptizer. Remember, God the Father spoke from the cloud, Jesus stood in the water, and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And it's clear that the Holy Spirit entered into Jesus. And so Jesus now is the source of proper knowledge and discretion. So what kind of attitude does God have? Verse 13, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Now, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. In other words, God hates particular kinds of evil. Many things we do are not evil. Like when we get a child and raise it in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We don't turn the child over to the government and let the government teach its morality. No. If necessary, we send the child to a proper parochial school to hear the word of God. Because many public schools are no longer teaching the word of God. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. And what evil? The first one is pride. That's haughtiness and arrogance. Every time we sin, we are being arrogant against God. We're saying, no, I choose to do it my way rather than your way. And the way of evil and perverted speech, I hate. Perverted speech. I don't watch much TV these days. Instead, I have a computer, and I almost watch everything on YouTube. YouTube has really interesting items for free. They have movies. They have documentaries, uh, natural things of lions and tigers in the wild. You, You really can learn a lot through YouTube. However, I have come to realize that when I'm looking at a movie, it's best to get movies that were done in the 70s. Because soon after that, you hear a lot of perverted speech in the movies. I was listening to a a movie. It was a detective movie. And within the first five minutes, 
the word beginning with F occurred at least a dozen times. Whereas movies 20 years ago had very little swearing in them. And they were good movies, detective, etc. But today's movies, perverted speech seems to be something that's going on. And what does God say about perverted speech? I hate it. So he's not against speech, but he's against perverted speech. And what's perverted speech? Uh, for example, somebody may have a situation where something goes wrong in their life and they get angry. Why is this happening to me? And maybe even say some swear words against God. You see, that's not trusting the promises of God. It's saying he's not doing for me what I want him to do. And therefore, you use perverted speech against God. And of course, God hates that. Because when you use perverted speech, you are working with the devil. Notice, so far in verse 12, the word I appears. I find knowledge and discretion. Verse 13, I hate. So verse... Verse 14 is also in the first person. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. Now, what does it mean to counsel? Why do you go to a counselor? You go to a counselor to get proper advice. And that's what God is. He's a tremendous counselor because he has sound wisdom, which means great judgment. So you're trying to make a decision and you can go to scripture to see if there are any options there. Uh, for example, you may make a decision, I'm gonna buy a new automobile, but I want it American made. It's not a sin to buy a non-American-made automobile, but you may want to support factories in the United States, and, and therefore you make that decision. That's not a sin. It's also not a sin to buy a non-American automobile. But once you get the automobile and it's really powerful, and you decide that, well, the less time I, am, I have between two points, the less chance for an accident. And so you're always going over the speed limit. There's where God will give you sound wisdom and judgment and understanding that that shouldn't happen. I, I'm amazed on YouTube how many times police have to chase another vehicle. You just don't understand that. The Los Angeles, for example, it's about 13% of the people running away from police 
do finally manage to escape. Uh, a lot of times they just drive into a large shopping center parking lot, park their car and run somewhere. And if they've stolen the car, it's really hard to find them. But almost 90% of the time, the police find them. In fact, they have a new technique that I really enjoy watching. They have these special police vehicles that are solidly built, and they can come up behind a car, and they shoot into the car, the bumper, what's called a grappling hook. And that grappling hook grabs the bumper and doesn't allow the car to go forward. It comes to a screeching halt. And then the police draw their guns and urge the driver to get out. Grappling hook. It's about time they came up with something like that. That's wonderful. Verse 15. Once more we get into the personal. By me, kings reign, and rulers decree what is just. Now, that's the thing you really need to look at carefully. First of all, we know that kings reign because of Jesus Christ. That's Romans 13, verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Now, verse 15, Jesus says, By me kings reign, and by me rulers decree what is just. In other words, they govern with justice. But you see, when a ruler does not govern by justice, then he is not following God. He is not following Jesus Christ. He is not subject to the divine authority. And you see this in various officials of the state that might be for gay marriage or abortion or changing your gender, all contrary to the Bible. Those things are not decreed by Jesus, only when it is with justice. And 16 kind of really emphasizes that. By me, principal, princes rule and nobles all who govern justly. So those who do not govern justly have broken the relationship with God, and therefore there will be negative consequences. Verse 17, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Now, when you first read that, that seems to confuse law and gospel. It's as though that we seek Jesus, find him, and therefore we save ourselves. No, that's not what this is saying. Those who seek me diligently or eagerly find me. Now, that word means that a person already has faith. 
So let's say you get a phone call that one of your children has been in a car accident. You rush to the hospital. And on the way, what are you doing? You're diligently and eagerly praying to God to find his help. Because Genesis 12 says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then for the believer, Deuteronomy 4.29. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him. If you search after him with all your heart, and with all your soul. And Matthew 7 backs that up. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find knock, and it will be opened to you. It reminds me of the lost sheep in Luke 15. That lost sheep was lost. It did not find Jesus. It was eagerly looking for the shepherd because it was caught in a ditch or whatever. And when it saw the shepherd, it eagerly accepted him to come, pick him up, put it on his shoulders, and take him home. Once more, personal, I love those who love me. Verse 18, riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. Now that word enduring can also be translated as everlasting health, wealth, and righteousness. That's the Beatitude blessings. Read those Beatitudes in Matthew 5, and you'll see that riches and honor are with him, even if we suffer for the sake of believing in Jesus. Why? Once more, a personal. Verse 19. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. So what is he talking about? He's moving into the agricultural phase. He says that my fruit, which would be the result of his planting, is better than gold, even fine or pure gold. And my yield than choice silver. In other words, from a cultural point of view, the yield is always the amount of vegetables or fruit or grain that you grow. And that is better than choice silver. Why, why are those things better than gold and silver? Because when you are hungry, you cannot eat gold or silver. And notice it's personal. It's not your fruit that you grew. It's my fruit, Jesus says, that he grew. Uh, the more I'm involved with rural congregations, 
the more I'm surprised how much faith a farmer has. Because you can put seeds in the ground, and if something happens, it gets too cold or something, you got to redo it. And you can only see the joy in the heart of a farmer as the yield begins to grow. Verse 20, I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice. Now, this is contrary to what Solomon was talking to his son about the wayward women who try and entice them to sin and give all kinds of reasons and temptings in contrast to their way, to their path of evil, Jesus walks in the way of righteousness. So it's really important to read Proverbs carefully to see what the way of righteousness is. And it's by being declared righteous by God through Christ. The last verse granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. Now, if that isn't law and gospel, I don't know what is. You are not filling your treasuries. You may die a very rich person, have all kinds of possessions, but none of them fit into your tomb to be used after your resurrection. Therefore, the property you will be receiving, that mansion, mansion, is an inheritance. Very, very important that Jesus is the source of your treasuries. So Proverbs 8, 12 to 21 is really interesting to look at because every verse is in the first person. I who love me, my fruit, with me. If you want to understand Jesus, this is what you read. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we'll continue with a Law and Gospel inspection. God bless you. Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.